The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, you know, in this state, and actually through this, up this whole country, one out of two marriages end in divorce. And it's basically because people don't know how to negotiate and communicate effectively. But um, recently, I was interviewed by Divorce Magazine to talk about negotiation in divorce. And so I thought that you might want to hear this interview that I did with Dan Courvet, who is the publisher of Divorce Magazine, where he asked me questions about how to resolve conflict in a disillusion. I thought that we would just share that with you and our audience and see what you think. So why don't you just listen in with me? I'm Dan Kuvret, the founder and publisher of Divorce Magazine, divorcemagazine.com, and I'm very pleased to have Mari Frank as my guest on the this Divorce Magazine podcast. Uh, by the way, this podcast will be featured on Divorce Magazine and on iTunes. We, our goal is to help people make better, more informed choices to ensure that they are not simply surviving their divorce, but they're actually growing and thriving through the process. So let me take a moment to tell you a little bit about my guest, Mari Frank. Uh, Mari is a, an attorney, mediator, and negotiations professor and has been for 26 years. She empowers couples in mediation to make informed decisions to turn adversity into successful agreement. Um, you can listen to her show, Prescriptions for Healing Conflict, at www.conflicthealing.com. I'll repeat that again. It's www.conflicthealing.com. Welcome, Mary, and thank you very much for joining me. Well, thank you, Dan. I think this is a wonderful idea to help people. Oh, thank you. So let's get right to it. I'm going to start asking you some questions, and I know you've got a ton of information you can share with us. Um, so let's start with the question that in most divorce cases, there is usually some form of negotiation, even if the parties are in litigation. So what do you think that each party should do to get the most successful agreement? What are the steps they should take? What should they do? Well, you're right. Any time that you have a divorce, you're going to do some kinds of negotiation and hopefully more than less. And so some of the things that you have to do is really get your negotiation power. And what I'm talking about with power is not the power to destroy or 
overwhelm the other person, but the power to influence them to get a good agreement so that you get your needs met and that other person gets his or her needs met as well. And so what I, I have an acronym that helps people to do that, and it's the word power. And I can go over all of those, what each letter stands for. P, for example, stands for preparation. And the second one stands for options. The third is W-worthiness, E for enthusiasm and energy, R for relationship, and S for a satisfying solution. So are you ready to go through those with me? Yes, absolutely. Please give us a bit more detail. For me, it's always easier to think of a word so that before I go into a negotiation, I make sure that I've covered all of those bases. So the first one, I'm sure, Dan, you know, you don't go into any kind of an exam in high school or in college before without preparation, right? Because if you don't prepare, you're going to fail. Right, you're scrambling. You're scrambling, and you don't know what you're doing, and you're just kind of, oh, my goodness, and the other person has a lot more power. So the person who is most prepared will have the upper edge and will most likely get his or her needs met more than the other person. So when I'm talking about preparation, there's really three areas. It's preparation in the content, in other words, knowing what the value of your house is, knowing the best interest of your children and what they need and what they want. Um, so that's you know one area of the preparation. That's C for content, all the content issues that you have to discuss in, in the either through litigation or mediation or arbitration or whatever you use. And then the second, the R stands for like CPR, to breathe life into your negotiations. R stands for relationship. What am I going to do if I had a bad relationship with my spouse and that's why we're getting a divorce? I have to somehow change the whole attitude of both of us so that we can really have a better relationship for the purpose of negotiating. It doesn't mean we're going to get back together, although lots of times that happens in my mediations. It's pretty amazing. But the real truth is that, you know, we need to have a relationship that at least we can build some trust back in so I can rely on you that when you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And that helps us to co-parent. It helps us to divide our community property or our marital property. And then CPR, the P stands for procedure and R stands for relationship. So those are the three things within the preparation. I need to know what the issues are. I need to go and find out the value of my house. I need to know what would be fair for me in terms of getting a job if I haven't had a job. What can I earn? What um, what are, is my possibility for child and spousal support? I need to look at all that. I need to know if I can afford to take the house, if I want to buy my spouse out of the house. What are the property taxes? What is the value? What are are there any liens against the house? What does my credit report look like? Can I refinance or will he do an interspousal transfer deed and stay on that loan? So there's lots of things that you need to do some research before you walk in, and that's part of the preparation. And of course, the uh, attorney or mediator or mediator like yourself who is an attorney um, should have a checklist and should go through this sort of information with you and give you some guidance, I'm assuming. Yes, that's really important that you have a good guide or a good coach. And if you have an attorney, sometimes they're going to give you that list. However, 
sometimes what happens is they 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 farm everything out to forensic accountants or to psychologists and you really need to be an active participant whether you're in litigation or you're in mediation and oftentimes especially if you're in litigation you're really scared and that fear overtakes you. You need to sit down and make your own list, like you say, and work with all the people who can help you, all of the you know, various experts that can help you to learn this information. But now with the Internet, a lot of this can be found out right on the Internet. So the more you have information that's really good information about what you need to know about your kids, about your property, about your relationship with your spouse, about what the laws are. The more you know, the more you're going to feel more at at, um, at ease and calm and be able to make some really good strategies. Now, can you kind of go through what you see as the um, how negotiation is different in mediation than in litigation? How does it differ in yes. the two processes? Great question. You know, when when you get into litigation, you are often looking at blame, unfortunately. Um, it is an adversarial approach when you're in the litigation process. You are trying to get the most that you can get. But often what happens is there's lots of accusations. There's a lot of assumptions about what the intent of the other person is. And my experience from being a lawyer for 26 years and, and going through litigation with my own clients, with myself, and the difference between that and mediation is there is a whole different mindset. In litigation, you're looking at the past, you're looking at who did what, you're trying to get the upper advantage, and there is a winner and a loser, often. Whereas in mediation, what you're trying to do is look at the present and problem solve for the future. So litigation is looking backward, mediation is looking at the present problem solving it for the future so you can have a life that you can move on with your life and have some peace of mind have a decent relationship with your ex-spouse especially if there's kids and just be able to move on with the new life and feel that you've accomplished something also in litigation you delegate everything to your attorney to do you know they're your mouthpiece in mediation, even if you go into mediation with or without an attorney, you have the opportunity to be heard. And it's a private, safe haven where no one else can hear it. You're not just on a witness stand saying what happened and you have to answer only the question. When you're in mediation, you can talk about your feelings. You can talk about the hurt. You can get that catharsis. You can release. You can really be guided to focus on, well, gee, what is it that you really want? What is it that you really need? And when you do that, that helps you to negotiate. The other thing is when you're in mediation, you have an attorney mediator or, or a mediator, whoever you choose, who is trained to facilitate, to, to actually get rid of that blame, to, to keep people on target, not to let them start blaming and accusing each other, but to focus on finding solutions, what I call solutioneering. And that's the beauty of mediation is that now you, you you know, all that nastiness from the past is really set aside and said, okay, let's focus on really what is it that you need to feel whole, to feel good, to go forward? What is it that your children need for their best interest? And so that's really the difference in negotiation going forward or going backward. Right. And that doesn't mean that in mediation or it actually means in mediation that people there's a better balance and the mediator can help balance the situation. So if one person tends to be more
more powerful and the other person tends to be more timid, that the mediator can notice that sort of thing and help the balance? Is that something that happens? Absolutely. That's such an important point. Thank you for bringing that up because there are times that one spouse will be out there in the breadwinner and they're used to negotiating back and forth and and the other party hasn't had that experience. So one of the things that I do as a mediator is really to empower my clients and teach them the skills to actually go through and say, okay, I know this is what you want. Now, why don't you show us how this is helpful to the other person as well? So we can actually balance the teeter-totter, as you would say, and make sure that both parties have the opportunity to be heard and that one party cannot overwhelm the other party. And it's our job as the mediators to make sure that there is a fair and balanced agreement and one that is in line with the law of your state. And do typically people then, go, after they do a mediation, do they typically go to see a lawyer after, or is it not necessary? And I know you're in California, so it may be different from state to state, but how is it in California? Actually, in any state, it is ethically appropriate, and this is part of the American Bar Association rules of model rules for mediation, and that is because the mediator is the neutral, that mediator really has a duty under all of our ethical code to refer clients to at least review all of the agreements prior to signing. And that's something that I always do. And you could really be guilty of malpractice if you didn't do that. So we can't force someone to go. And there are many times that I, I'll tell clients they have to sign that they were advised to do it, but sometimes they won't do it. If they've done enough of their homework and they've really been involved and they understand the law, and if you have a mediator who provides you the law in cases such as I do, then they feel like they really understand it. But, but it is important to do that. But I think we should go back to the elements of power because we talked about preparation. Can we do that? Yes, I want to ask you actually a bit more about power and also about energy in terms of what kind of energy do you bring to the mediation? Well, that comes to um, actually the third word, which is worthiness. So, I mean, E for P-O-W-E-R. Let's kind of go to options. Options. Let me tell you how important it is that you create options for settlement. If you go in with your mindset, I have to have A, B, C, and D, and you don't have any other options available It's going to be a positional fight. It's going to be an argument. But if you come in and you have some options for settlement and you come in and you talk about, well, there's several things that we could do and it's A, B, C, and D, and and this might work for us best. For example, with a child custody agreement, you might want to talk about several ways that you can set up a a custody schedule and give that other person a chance to explore those options with you. And if you come in with options, you look like you're more flexible. The other person also will mirror that and come up with options. And especially if you're in mediation, your mediator is going to ask you for that. The next one is W. We went to P for preparation, O for options. Now W, worthiness. You know, if someone doesn't trust you, that you're not going to be very, you know, they're not going to think you're very worthy. So what you have to do is you have to recreate the trust. If you're in a divorce, it is very likely that you're not going to trust your ex-to-be. That's just human nature. Yeah, that's the way it is. It isn't like, don't take it personally. How could you not trust me? We were, to, we were married 28 years. I tell my clients, you know what? It, that's the name of the game. 
So what you have to do is build up trust. In other words, you set up a meeting that is a fair meeting. You listen to the other person, really listen and repeat back what they said so that they know that you're listening. You make a certain little agreements, like even an agreement when to meet, and then you follow through. If at any time you hide or you don't, um, you're, if you're not providing full disclosure, you're going to ruin that trust and you're required to do it. So build up that trust and you will be considered worthy. Another thing to do is, you know, if you've been married a long time and you've, you know, they've seen you at your worst or your best, I would say to you, when you go into that negotiation, whether you're with an attorney or you're in a mediation with your attorney mediator, dress up. This is a business deal. Dress up and look like you're coming into business. Be very, look different from what you look like in your home or when you come home from work, because that sets a different mindset. So you need to build worthiness and that is based on trust. Then we have E, which is what you were talking about, Dan. Energy. Yeah. A lot of people in divorce obviously are either feeling very, very hurt or very, very angry or very depressed, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it happens that way. So aside from getting some counseling to help boost you, you need to do, and or maybe some spiritual counseling, which I think is also helpful. It's important that you come into the negotiation and get yourself ready but ahead of time. You want to be in, in energetic. You want to be enthusiastic, not energetic with anger, right. but energetic meaning that you're enthusiastic, that you come in with an intention that you're going to hear what the other person has to say. You're going to be respectful of what that person has to say. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Doesn't mean you have to accept it. You're going to hear it. You're going to be respectful. And then you are going to have the energy, the positive energy to say, okay, I heard what you have to say. This is the part that I like of what you said that that will work for me. And here are some concerns I have. What can we do to work this out? So you have to have an intention that you are going to come to resolution. You come in positive. Hopefully your mediator, and you know, it'll be easier to do rather than sitting, you know, in the courthouse, in the cafeteria, which is very depressing. But if you're in mediation, you know, one of the things I do is I always have goodies. I always have food to eat. It's quiet. It's, you know, we have a plant. We have something to make us feel a little bit more at home. So you can try and do that. If you're with someone in a negotiation, you can bring cookies. You can do something to bring a positive, you know, uh, olive branch, so to speak, to show that you're really there to try and have a a positive energy to focus on problem solving and finding solutions. So then we move on to relationships. Yes. Okay. Um, Yes. Relationships. Now, that's one that can be tough because if you, let's say you've been in litigation for a long time and now your attorneys say, well, let's go to the table. Well, there's so much, you know, underlying anger from the past, the history. A lot of baggage. A lot of baggage. Or maybe you've just been so hurt. Maybe one party has had an affair or is in a new relationship and you feel very betrayed by all this or maybe the kids haven't gotten what they needed or something so you come in with a lot of pain 
I would suggest before you come to that meeting that you consider the relationship. You consider that the other person did the best he or she could. Get some, get yourself in that kind of a mode and think about what is it that that person needs. You know that person, you've lived with that person maybe five years, 20 years, whatever it is. No, if you know that they have to be right, okay, that's their personality style, then create some options and when they choose an option, let them think that they created it. So you have to think about what I need to get what I want, but I also have to make sure that the other person sitting next to me at the table or across the table is also going to get what he or she needs. And it may just be, you know, I'm sorry, I never meant to hurt you. Right. You know, in other words, need to be the car. Yes. It doesn't need to be a house. It could be something as simple as I, I'm sorry. Yes. And I never meant to hurt you. And maybe you're, you're the best parent around or something that you can take what's happening now and make it different from the past. Just say, you know, we have a common interest. So to build the relationship, you want to build the common interest. Number one, we don't want to waste all of our marital property in litigation. That's one commonality. Another commonality, we both love our kids. That's another commonality. We both really are in pain. It's taking us away from our work, our our enjoyment, our peace of mind. We really both really want to get this over with in a positive manner so we both can go on with our lives. If you sit down and look at all of the things that you have in common, I think you'll find that 80% of what you can, uh, of all of the issues, you can say we are really in the same page. Once you do that, you start with your commonality. Then you can go to, well, we're, we're in agreement. Well, we want the best interest for our kids. Now, let's figure out what really that is. And, and what you need to do is open up open-ended questions so that to build a relationship, ask the other party, you know, what is it that you really need? Why is it that you want it? How can I be helpful to you so that I can get what I want? So turn it into open-ended questions because that creates a better relationship of problem-solving and solutioneering. So if people go to your website, Mari, conflicthealing.com, will they get more information that can help them through their divorce? Oh, yeah. This is, I, I have a new radio show. I've had a radio show for five years, but my new radio show has, um, I interview, just like you're interviewing me, I interview top experts who are either directors of peace institutes or mediation institutes or their authors talking about dealing with such things as anger, dealing with how to overcome anger, how to turn that around. And also, I have articles that I've written that can be helpful to people. And of course, we link to your wonderful website, divorcemagazine.com. And I, I have lots of strategies for how you can help yourself to to really get ready and be prepared for that negotiation or that mediation. So I want to thank you for all of the information. I know that people who are listening into this podcast will probably have to play it two or three times because you gave so much information in such a short amount of time and so many good ideas. So I encourage people to do that. I encourage people to go to Mari's website, www.conflicthealing.com. If you're looking for additional information and resources, please go to divorcemagazine.com or visit our blog. It's called blogsondivorce.com. And and also they can go to Mari Frank, 
com. Perfect. where we have a, a lot more information as well that they can get on mediation and lots of different articles. And we link to, of course, your website at divorcemagazine.com and others. And I just want to tell people that, you know, if, if you're in a negotiation with your attorney or without your attorney and your spouse pushes your buttons, you really need to stop and take a deep breath before you respond because it's very easy to react and get into the old mode that you were in before. And so stop. And we've got a whole strategy, which I call hard loving, that can teach you how to actually overcome that anger within yourself that causes you to feel like you're going to explode so that you can be calm and then use your negotiation power to to really get a good and agreement that you can live with that's satisfying for both parties. Mari's website one more time. It is Mari, M-A-R-I, Frank, F-R-A-N-K. That's marifrank.com. Thank you again, Mari, and thank you folks for listening in. Yes, and make sure that you go to divorcemagazine.com. There's wonderful articles and uh, really great resources for you. So thank you, Dan. Thanks again. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Dan, for asking me questions about resolving disputes in mediation and especially with regard to divorce. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, too. So you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, the host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning at 830 right here on KUCI and visit our website at K- at conflicthealing.com, where you can see our upcoming guests. You can listen to archived interviews and download podcasts and write us about what's concerning you about conflict in your own life. And hopefully we can address the issues that face you every day in the workplace, with friends, with partners, with vendors. Conflict is inevitable, but how you deal with it is really your choice. So thank you for joining us and have a wonderful day. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm also so pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. And today we are thrilled to introduce Greg Boston, who's been with the Orange County Sheriff's Department since 1991. And currently, Greg is the director of the Inmate Services Division. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mari. Well, why don't you tell us about the Inmate Services Division and your duties? Sounds great. Like you mentioned, I'm the director of our Inmate Services Division, and the Inmate Services Division is a section of uh, the jails, and we do uh, a lot of the support functions for all of the jail facilities here in Orange County. Uh, We have uh, about a $38 million budget Mm. and about... 200 employees, uh, and they're sort of sprinkled throughout the jails, if you will, um, 
and, and provide things such as our food services operations, our commissary operations, and the correctional programs unit. That's terrific. Well, we're going to have you back to tell us a little bit more about those programs. So thank you so much for joining us, Greg. Thank you, Mari. Okay, talk to you again soon next week. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. 